Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Final Whistle Podcast. Ben came over uh, a long time ago, once upon a time. <laughs> yeah, we're two guys just talking about soccer. So much to get into. But, man, first of all, how are you, man? Long time, no see, but uh, it's good to see you again. Hey, it's great to see you. I think we're keeping up with everyone in the world right now during this. It's like June to the middle of August is the driest period for all sports fans. Um, and we're feeling it right now. We're, we're getting creative with a few things. We took a little break, but now we're we're here to talk about stuff and some some transfer news. And you're going to tell me exactly where Barcelona are getting their money from. And I'm I'm actually very intrigued to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah, there obviously there's a lot we got to discuss. I mean, it's crazy because, you know, it's so slow right now. And, and as you mentioned, with all other sports, everything's kind of stopped right now. It's the Home Run Derby. As we're recording right now, I think it's July 18th right now. It's 10, 19 right now here in, in the East Coast. And it's crazy. There's not really a lot to talk about. Yesterday, we kind of, in my job, we were just really didn't have anything because all the sports ended and then we kind of had to start early than usual. But it's crazy, you know, but, but, Ben, but, but the but and all that is football is still have news and storylines to all discuss and especially the transfer window because that's where we got to start, Ben, because so much transfers have happened since we've been last, had our last podcast. And it's crazy because, I mean, we didn't expect a lot of things to happen. And as you mentioned, Barcelona, so much has happened in so many other teams and transfers. But first, let's first start with Barcelona. Robert Lewandowski and Rafinha both joined Barcelona for about combined 120 million uh, in weight and in, in transfer fees altogether. But both of them signed for Barcelona, Ben. I mean, my first question for you is, I mean, initial reaction is, I mean, how did Barcelona was able to pull off, uh, I guess, a miracle because obviously they're they're in debt. But what's your reaction from those signings joining Barcelona? I think it's a great deal of business. I think Barcelona, I think since Luis Suarez was at like the end of his career, he wasn't the same player that we saw when he was with Neymar and Messi. And they've been missing that striker. They tried Luke de Jong years, miles ago, uh, Antonio Antoine Griezmann was in there and did not really perform well as we thought he would. Um, so a lot of Barcelona players kind of coming in and out of the system, trying to play that front, uh, that number nine, but I mean, getting the player who should have won the Ballon d'Or twice, um, having him in a league where he's going to, he's going to dominate that league is going to be great. And then for Rafinha, it's a weird one because they just signed Dembele as well back to a new contract. So how does Rafinha play in? Um, it's going to be interesting. But I think one thing I, I would love to touch on is in an interview with Jesse Marsh last week, um, they asked Jesse and they said, Rafinha is most likely going to Barcelona. And he admitted to that. Um, and they said, what do you think about the news? And he said, well, he in the middle of last season, there was rumors that he was going to go to Barcelona. And he had that clause in his contract where if he got relegated, he could go for 20 million and it was guaranteed. And the club agreed with that. And then those last few game performances where he scored a free kick and a goal and another assist. um, So this kid's character where even though he could have gotten his dream move and he decided to support the club, it 
I want to touch on his character because I think that's kind of the player that Shabby wants. Um, so it's a perfect signing for that. He just adds more depth to this already very deep team. So two really good signings. Um, if you're asking me where the money's coming from, probably a pyramid scheme. I, <laughs> I think that's what's happening here. Uh, Marvin probably knows more than me on the topic, but I, I, I mean, do you know where this where this is coming from? Because I think they're just last time I heard they got a loan a loan for three hundred million. And that was to get Holland, and they never used that. But they're still in, in incredible amounts of debt until I think Griezmann is off the books, and then I think it kind of balances out after he gets out of there. Yeah, this is quite interesting. I mean, great points on Rafinha. You know, his character of you know what he did in Leeds United and keeping them in the Premier League, and and what he did. Uh, I do want to focus in to kind of talk about what. Uh, Barcelona did to get these deals done kind of explain to people what happened I think you know people were kind of just asking themselves where the hell did they get the money from well here's what happened so if people don't know Barcelona for at least most of May were trying to get rid of salaries Samuel Mtiti uh, they were trying to get away or sell Greensman that's why they sold Coutinho very much very early for about 20 million, which wasn't agreed upon originally on his loan. And so they were just trying to get rid of salaries, get rid of players as much as they can. Um, and unfortunately they cannot do that. And so they decided the club decided, and they obviously had to get their socios who are part of, you know, their board and their, you know, the people who are, you know, at least uh, members of Barcelona because socios are pretty, pretty much are in control of the club, not really owned by anybody else. Uh, and, you know, what the board decided to do was to make a vote to sell percentages of their TV rights, to sell percentages of BLM, which is basically brand and merchandise uh, percentages of, you know, how much they make and to sell that. And so they had a, 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 a vote to sell these percentages. Obviously, they needed to make sure the socios agreed upon it and they voted yes to uh, sell these percentages. And so meaning the percentages would turn to a short term cash, but a long term agreement in which the percentages are there for about 25 years. So basically, it's a loan. It's short term cash for a long-term deal of percentages of Barcelona's TV rights and brand and merchandise, which is uh, something they decided to do early on in June. And so they decided to do that in which they will be able to get roughly in total. They haven't pulled all those percentages about 300, 400 uh, million to what they wanted. And so what they decided to do is to get about 200 million of that money they're not going to use it all on transfers, but they decided to use about 200 million in transfers to get some of these signings. So that included Rafinha, as you saw, to register um, Frank Kessian, who's also going to sign with Barcelona, um, Andrea Christensen, who's also going to sign as well. And so they decided to do all these transfers in order to um, sign with Barcelona. And that's what this club decided to do. And I'm just right now looking at it as Barcelona deciding to go for the short term and, you know, decide to go for the short term and to make sure they have a competitive team because fans and people, as a lot of people were mentioning in Barcelona, where fans weren't showing up to games. Their people were not, their, their fans weren't attending as 
much as they thought they would because of, you know, how much this team was constantly up and down. And so they decided to go for the short-term fix and not so much in the long term. So they decided to sign Robert Lewandowski and Rafinha in order to try to build up a, a very competitive squad. Obviously, Real Madrid are the team to beat in La Liga, in the Champions League. So they decided to go all in, uh, put all their chips in the table, Ben, and try to bet, making sure they can try to compete for next season. So now where does where does Aspilicueta fall into this? Because if you've seen recent Chelsea videos in preseason, right. he's there with them. Um, and I could have sworn he was closer along than Christians into a deal. So where does he, I, I, this is just me throwing questions at yeah. you. Yeah. Where does he fall into this? Cause I think, I don't think he's going to move so, anymore. So I'm hearing that Barcelona are very aggressive right now on defense. Uh, there's rumors that Barcelona are trying to push hard for Julius Conde, who the Sevilla defender, who's, have been really linked to Chelsea recently, then to Chelsea a little bit later, but Barcelona are pushing. They want to improve their defense. Xabi has been a love, I have, excuse me, has fallen in love with Jules Conde, who is really good in Sevilla. Um, Sevilla lately have not really um, tried to push Conde out. Uh, Chelsea originally was out of the race or pushing themselves out with some of the moves they made, but Barcelona are not right now looking into getting another right back because again they re-signed Sergio Roberto who they not registered probably eventually would register and they have me Sergio Des so they want to add additional defenders they have to move some players before they can create any other salaries and that's why you see probably likelihood they may not get Jules Conde due to the fact of they have to you you know you know this in order to make money you have to you have to sell and so yeah. that's what they need to do they right now yes they have all these players they added additional players but now they have to do the sale that's why players like frankie de Jong has been linked to lee barcelona players like memphis Depay, who has been another player probably likelihood could leave barcelona and so there's like some players that have to leave in order to see them go after players like espericuenta and maybe jules conde i don't see that happening likelihood um looks like um, excuse me, that's Chelsea will likely put all their monies in the table to try to get Jules Conde to improve their defense. And we'll see what Barcelona could do. But Barcelona have to sell, right? You can't just spend yeah. money and, and not sell players and even the books, despite them, you know, having this money, but they have to even the books because it's not only, Ben, it's not only, you know, spending money, but they have to make sure the La Liga reg- uh regulations are, are are correct and making sure each because they have a wage bill and what order they have to stand by and so they got to make sure the books are correct so they can't spend all these money without selling players and so that's why you see players like frankie de Jong and memphis the pie potentially leaving the club they're the most if if uh if someone wants to watch a club work the transfer market just <laughs> follow barcelona for a day and it's it's like reading, like just like fiction. Like you know, I, I sometimes I don't know what's happening. Like there's rumors, like yeah, get thrown at me, and then it's crazy. A little bit of math. It's awesome if you're trying to learn how the transfer market works. This is the club you want to watch for the rest of the summer. I mean, again, I, as I mentioned, this club still has a lot of work to do. They're still not done. They still want to make more. But I mean, what Xabi wanted was Robert Lewandowski was primary target and he got him the number one target at Barcelona were looking for. Again, they were looking for a star with Joan Laporta. They got one in, in Robert Lewandowski and Rafinha, who ho- hopefully will continue to, to do well. But Ben, 
I got to ask you now. They get these two new players. They added a couple more players, as I mentioned, Frank Kensey and Christensen as well. I mean, right now, let's pretend, you know, uh, you're the manager of Barcelona right now. What would be your starting 11 as we speak right now? Okay. I'd go Ter Stegen and goal. Center backs, Arroyo, PK. Okay. I think I'd still go PK. Um, I think I'd, and then I think Alba and probably Dest would be okay. in there. Midfield, I think I think midfield and forwards is where it gets really weird. I think I'd go Hessier at CDM, Pedri on one side. I think I'd still go Frankie. I think I'd still okay. go Frankie on the other side, and then I would go. It's tough. This is the this is the top decision sh- the, the front three because you could, I mean you could do multiple. Mm. All right, I'm gonna mm, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do Fernan on the left, Lewandowski yeah. down the middle. Actually, swap them. So Fernan's gonna be on the right. Lewandowski yeah. down the middle. Dembele on the left. I think wow. that's how I would do it. Okay. I just I would, like Fernand Torres. Really? Time, so. I mean, that's that's an interesting move. I mean, he's mostly played on the left most of the season last year with Barcelona, but we'll see what job he can do. Now he has a, lots of options. But for me, I would go Ter Stegen. I would go Serginho Desk. I'd go with the American on the right back. I think he's really enjoyed what he's seen from Serginho Desk because he wasn't a lot of rumors. But again, still on a team. And I think right now that position is very thin with Sergio Roberto coming back from injury. So I think that's his spot to lose. Um, obviously, you know, things could change. If Espericuenta comes, who knows? I don't know. Uh, and then Araujo, and I'm going to go with Christensen. Um, huh. Right now, we do not know the, the, the future of PK because right now he's still having the injuries what he had last year. He's still yeah. suffering from injury. He's still not fully recovered or fully fit. And so I'm going with Christensen, who's very experienced, um, had some good, you know, times at Chelsea, and I, I think he's a – pretty good defender to go with Araujo. I think that's a got a, a, a rock solid defender at Araujo with a kind of a good experienced player in Christensen, who I think is very well. And then I go Alba on the left. And this is where it gets tricky in the midfield, but I'm going to pretend Frankie de Jong is not there. I'm going to go with Sergio Busquets, Pedri. I'm going to go with Frank Kessian. I will not go with, it's tough to go Gabi on the bench because Gabi's honestly could start any other yeah. team. But this midfield yeah. is just stacked with Nico, with Gabi. Um, and then Frankie de Jong sticks around. I mean, that would be just an insane stack of competition. But I'm going to go with Frank Kessie and Pedri and, and Busquets. And in my front three, I'm going to stick with, I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with you, Ferran Torres, but I'm going to go with Ferran Torres on the left. I thought about this really uh, in depth. I'm going to go with Robert Lewandowski. He's a no, no doubter. And yeah. then on the right, this is where it's tough. But if I'm the manager, I'm going to go with Rafinha. I, I have to go with Rafinha. Mm. Usman Dembele, I think, would likely be the starter with Xabi because he has a little chemistry there. And I think, you know, obviously Rafinha is coming in from the league. He'll take some time to adjust. But Usman Dembele is not better than Rafinha. I think Rafinha has a little bit more flair a little more skill on the on the wing i think he has a little bit more to his game than usman dembele usman dembele is a good talent but i think rafinha is better so i'll go rafinha Lewandowski, ferran torres 
And it's so funny, Ben. We none of us had Asufati. I was just, I was literally and like, if you saw me, crazy. my mouth was a little open. So I was yeah. just about to say that. I was yeah. not, I, I mean, what, I mean, what do you think is happening with Barcelona kind of getting more strikers and kind of, kind of forgetting they have a, a prospect like Asufati on the bench as well? I, I think what they're doing, which is very smart of them, I think they're kind of seeing his injury problems, seeing how prone he is to getting hurt so much. Yeah. Um, and then even when he was back, he was a little bit overweight. So they can't. I think they know they can't rely on him. Um, so their best option is to just build. And if he turns out to be anything, great. If not, don't worry. You have the pieces there to continue, excuse me, to keep playing and progressing with the team you have now. So I think they're just kind of working around him. It's kind of what City were doing when uh, Fernand Torres was out at the beginning of the year, when they didn't really mind that he was out for three months, I think, with a broken foot. Yeah. And they kind of circled around having Phil Foden playing in that central role so you can slot different players on the wings so he's not on the left where Fernand would have been. Um, so, yeah, right. I think they're just kind of building around Fati. And if he if he comes in, great. If not, it's not the worst thing in the world. You can still get at least... 30 to 40 million for an injury prone Ansu Fati. So I don't think they're too, too concerned. I will say this. Reading, reading through the lines, Ben. I'm not saying this is going to happen. Something tells me, and, and, and it was linked before that he, you know, they're, they're, they're worried about Ansu Fati because he didn't have his surgery. He went a different route, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if they think Ansu Fati will never be the same. And so maybe that's why yeah. they decided to get a couple more of options in Rafinha and Risan Usman Dembele because they don't know what's going to happen with Asufati. I think they do believe in him. I think they do think he's going to be a, a tremendous or a you know future player. But I think they're also very concerned that this may just be who he is, a player that's very talented, which has been having too many injuries throughout his career. And he may not never reach the player that I think a lot of people think he will be. And so maybe that's why they decided to go for these options, because as we mentioned, both of you and I have just said, he's not in our starting 11. So I hope we're wrong, but it's just, I think it might be a reality for Asufati in, in his future. Well, I also think too, that the top teams in Europe now, the positions that they're stacking is those wing positions. I mean, you just look at City and Liverpool. Where yeah. Liverpool brought in Darwin Nunez. They brought in Jota. They brought in, obviously, they lost Saudi Omane, but they have Salah. Yeah. They had uh, Takumi Minamino as well in there. Right. Um, and you look at City, Grealish, Sterling for a while, Mares, uh, Phil Foden. Right. Like they're, they're stacking these wing roles. So I think kind of Barcelona is moving in that direction, but I do agree with you that. They don't know if he's going to be the same, um, but then that kind of again, it just ties back into my point. They're just trying to they got to build around him, and if he if he turns out to be it, great. If not, though, it, it's going to stink, but it's not the worst thing in the world yep. because you have those building blocks in place. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens with Barcelona. What kind of other moves they can make, or if they do have any other tricks upon <laughs> their sleeves, and uh, what other moves. But Robert Lewandowski and Rafinha join Barcelona. Uh, and hopefully can help this team contend for next season. Moving on, Ben, let's get into the other big move that happened. You know, Bayern Munich have been looking for, you know, maybe uh, uh, an additional piece to be part of their their uh, new revolution in their club. And Bayern Munich made a splash signing and getting Marthik the lick from 
Juventus, a kind of a move that a lot of people didn't think was going to happen prior to this summer, but he signed for about 80 million euros. Um, Delic, obviously well-known what he did in Ajax with, uh, you know, Eric Ten Hal, and he was the captain of the team. Hasn't really translated at Juventus, but makes now another move to Bayern Munich. So, Ben, my question for you is, does Delic make Bayern Munich a better team? Yes, and I think the main thing is when you think about Bayern Munich, I could name you every player depth in any position except one, and that's center back. I mean, you look at, they just locked Nicolas Sule, who went to Borussia Dortmund, kind of the role reversal, excuse me, of what normally happens where you're seeing Borussia Dortmund players going to Bayern Munich to that bigger club. But now you're bringing in a player who, like you said, was the captain of Ajax, I think 18 years old. Um, And he was a part of that side that got to the Champions League semifinals. Obviously, they lost to Spurs in that absolute heartbreak. But he led that team there. Um, going to Juventus kind of in the shadows of Chiellini and Benucci, but still playing a very pivotal pivotal role, um, especially in this younger team that's there right now where he's kind of being seen as that leader. And I think right. when you look at Bayern Munich, you're looking around the team, and there's not really that strong center back. I think every position is top. Like you could name any position and you could rank it as one of the top in the world, except that center back spot where there's only Lucas Hernandez or I think it's one of the Hernandez brothers yeah. um, and then maybe Pavard, if you slot him in there. So adding this type of caliber of player who, you know, you can get out of, who's just a big body, but he can also distribute the ball while he can keep up. He's the perfect center back. Um, so adding this type of player is huge for Bayern Munich and makes them way better. Also his, I think his leadership at the back is going to be something they're definitely going to want to rely on um, going forward, kind of preaching Neuer's message because Neuer, once again, it's getting older, so trying to get deeper in the field with more leadership while still being very young is going to be key heading forward, like you said, in this new wave. So it's going to be, it's going to be a very good signing for them. I think it's good business for Juventus. I think this is good business all around just because I think getting $80 million for Defender, that's, I think, really good business for Juventus. To lick... You know, it's so funny. He was always rumored when originally he was going to leave Ajax to go to many other clubs. I think he decided to go to Juventus. I thought this was a really good move for him in his career. I think in the Italians, they, they really defend well. I thought he was really going to be rock solid. And just early on from the beginning, just never just worked. I thought it just never fit. He was never right. I thought there was a couple times, even a couple seasons ago, where he was even bench on the bench. Uh, I mean, it would just, I just thought it didn't work at Juventus. And so I didn't think he was available. I think nobody knew really he was available until I think he came out and saying he wants to um, try something different. Um, his agents, I think, believe were, were trying to look for a different place. I think Chelsea were, were linked also to trying to make a move for Delic, but ultimately he signs with Bayern Munich. This is a good move for Bayern. Bayern are trying to improve their defense. They got a Panicano as well, the player from. Leipzig, who was a really good defender, but didn't have the promising one that we expected. And so they want to get another young, fresh defender to add to their back four. And obviously what we saw in Bayern Munich last year, especially in the Bundesliga, and we saw that in the Champions League, is yes, they have plenty of attacking options, but sometimes it could get exposed on the back. We saw that a lot last season. And so I think this can add to that. But I also, this is probably where we're going to see either 
Delic turns into that star, as you mentioned, or he's just going to be that player that maybe could have, maybe not reached his potential. And so this is an opportunity for Delic either to have success or just not succeed. And so this is a move for him. Perfect. I think Bayern Munich is a very uh, organized club and let's see what happens. But again, Delic, had an opportunity at Juventus. I thought that was a good move and it just didn't work out. And let's see if this works out at Bayern, but not sure Bayern should have spent it 108 or excuse me, 80 million for, for a player that you're not sure about unless they are very convinced that he will reach his potential, as you mentioned. But I think it's really good business for Juventus. I really do. You get about basically the same amount you paid for, for, for his transfer when he originally came to Juventus. So you didn't lose any money there. And you can maybe use that money to get someone maybe less expensive and maybe add a little more depth for Juventus. So I think this is good business for Juventus uh, and Delic and also to try a new challenge. I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm very excited. Um, although he just – like the caliber type of player you're talking about, though, just yeah. makes it even harder to not see Bayern winning the league again. Um, <laughs> again, is, yes, yes. A very good, so, a very like, good word. But like you said, this is a big thing for them heading into Europe, um, trying to get back to a Champions yeah. League final since 2020. And I don't even right. count that season. I, no sports, I count that season because I was just weird in general. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be insane to see what happens. But by the way, I will say this. Um, Delic and Bayern Munich have so much going on, Ben. I was going to say, I mean, does this also – you think this helps them, their Champions League chances with now Sadio Mane, with the Lick, uh, with some of the players they also signed? Is this enough where you can see Bayern Munich competing for another Champions League title? I think every team has gotten better. Um, and I don't think, I think defensively, we, we, we said this before, I think, yes, they're yeah. a lot better. Offensively, though, I think they're going to be hurting because um, right. I don't see. Lewandowski and Mane being like for like players. Um, right. So I think it kind of just balances it out. I think they're going to have more trouble in Europe, but I don't think it's because of the light. I think, I think defensively they'll be a lot better. Um, mm. So if you're looking at it from that point of view, yes, they're going to be better and that's going to be great for them. But offensively, I, I think they're going to struggle immensely. We'll see what happens with Bayern Munich and, um, what they will do. Obviously they lost Lewandowski and added the lick and let's see what happens there. Uh, transition into England. We got to go to the team in red, not the team in Manchester city, but the team in Manchester United just signing IX's Leonardo Martinez and also signing Christian Eriksen. That was just announced a couple of days ago, I believe. And so Manchester United adding the key players to their move. We'll discuss Ronaldo slightly, Ben, before we kind of dig into that. But first, what does Martinez do for Manchester United's defense? Do you think this is the answer for Manchester United to try to improve what they struggled all last season? No, I don't think. <laughs> Plain and simple, no. I, I maybe Why so? Why so? Maybe this is the City fan in me. I don't see any player coming into United and working out. Um, I don't know too, too much about Martinez. I've tried to do a little bit of research, but yeah, I just don't. I think getting that move to Manchester United is great for your career. Um, but 
United have so many internal problems. And yeah. I think anyone playing alongside Harry Maguire, like if I was playing alongside him, I would just get fed up. And also, the by the way, he... they've they announced that Maguire is gonna stay as the captain. Just oh yeah, I'm, I'm getting I'm I'm get I'm getting to that one. <laughs> Eric Ten Hall, yes. Uh, um no, I just think I'd get frustrated with how many times he just screws up. Um and looking at this guy and saying you're the captain, like it, I, I don't know. I just don't Ten Hall could do a, a fantastic job, but I just don't think any player heading into United yeah. is the answer. Um because it's never worked. I mean, who is the last player going into Man United that's really worked out? You got maybe Bruno, maybe and even Fennis, that. But even him, he just disappears in big six games. Um, so, like, yes, he he fills a void that's needed, but also you have Eric Bailly, who might I add is probably one of the best center backs in the Premier League when he's fit. Um, and I think Victor okay. Lindelof had a great season last season as well. Um, so they have those players. How do you keep that consistent? That's going to be an issue. But yeah, it's tough to say if he's going to be the answer because I I don't see anyone ever doing good at Manchester United. I think Martinez is a very good player. I think Arsenal were targeting him. He's 5'9". Yeah. Again, his size was an issue according to what people have said right away when they signed him, which is... I mean, it's crazy, but I mean, he, he, he hits great on the ball. And then that's kind of where Ten Hall wants. He's a Ten Hall guy. He played in Ajax, which is funny. Um, and so Ten Hall wants to sort of get kind of similar players to his profile to what he wants to play. I just never like when managers get their old players from old clubs. I just sometimes it works out. But I remember when, you know, Manchester United throughout this have tried and get some of these players from the old managers. Remember Memphis Depay and Louis van Gaal didn't work out. Um, You know, Mourinho, you know, had a couple, you know, signings here. Pogba, that didn't work out, obviously, when they signed for Manchester United. And just some of these signings, sometimes I don't like when managers get their former players. it, It works you know, half the time, but some percentages, at least for Manchester United, doesn't. I think he's going to be good. You know, it reminds me of Javier Macherano. He has a very strong physical tone to him, uh, very good on the ball. I think he reminds me of Macherano. If people don't remember, Javier Macherano was very good at West Ham before making his move to Liverpool and then et cetera. So he only not only can play defensive midfielder, which, by the way, Manchester United need. He may not be the center back that they want, but I think he's very versatile. And so he could also play left back. So, He's, he's a player who's a very good left foot. I think this could help them. He is very versatile, but the problem is let's see what he could do in, in, tel, in Ten Hog system. I think this is a decent signing. Nothing major for Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, I think Christian Eriksen is a good, another good signing as well. But again, Manchester United, they wanted something different. And it looks like it's the same old Manchester United, especially what they're doing with Frankie De Jong. It seems like Barcelona and Manchester United, it's more about Frankie De Jong at this point in Manchester United, Barcelona agreeing on a fee, which they, upon, which they agree upon. But they have to push to try to convince Frankie De Jong. They have to push because they just need to make a signing to kind of convince, you know, we're back and, and to the fans that we're trying to win because right now those two signings are not good enough. 
to even compete for a Premier League title and not even compete into Champions League football. And so I don't know what's going to happen, what else they need to do, but this is I, – I think it's good signing, but not the splash that some of these other clubs, you know, the Cities, the Liverpools, the Tottenham's have all done, the Chelsea's have done, and I think it's just same old Manchester United in the last – you know, I would say we're going now nine Almost years, years. Sir Alex. Yeah, eight or nine. Now yeah. ten years, close to ten years of Sir Alex Ferguson retiring, and still nothing has come close to a similar roster to that. So I mean, this is still a lot of work to done. But Ben, I gotta ask you about this now because since we last had a pod, Cristiano Ronaldo was on the news, <laughs> uh, wanted to do uh, Kyrie Irving style, Kevin Durant style. And request a transfer. He requests a transfer to move from Manchester United. As the latest reports come out, Ten Hall has said he wants Ronaldo. He's in his plans. He's even talked about extending Ronaldo. What should either what should Manchester United do with Cristiano Ronaldo? Because also, uh, before I, I I give you the mic, I want to say that he's some of these clubs have don't want Ronaldo. He's offered himself yeah. to PSG. They said no. Bayern Munich said no. Chelsea, maybe, but said no. What's the future? What's going on? And what, where do you see this um, this saga going? I don't know where he ends up, but if I'm if I'm Ten Hag, I think he goes. And I think the main wow. thing is you're just delaying the inevitable. Not in the sense... Oh, Siri's going off. <laughs> not You're not delaying the inevitable in the sense that eventually he's going to go. It's right. more of the fact that you're trying to build a culture. You're trying to build a team here. Ten Hag is a manager for the future. Right. Having that older player, Ronaldo, that you relied so heavily on last year, because, I mean, at certain times, they would just let Ronaldo... Uh, Ryan Kick would just let him do whatever he wanted. And if he scored and he scored a match winner, great. Yeah. When you allow a player like that to do that, you don't get your message across. Yes, he's a good locker room presence, but allowing him to just go out there and just do his thing doesn't create the culture or the play style that Ten Hog wants to push onto this team. Right. Just get rid of him and just restart because eventually you're not going to have his goals and you need to figure out early how you're going to fill in without him so just do it now get it over with um and there's enough money where someone will offer a transfer fee especially that's the big thing it's like he's in a contract year now so right. if you don't let him walk this summer next summer he's gone for free so just cash in now you can find i mean they've done decent work i think cavani's a great name that came up where they really needed someone to step in i think martial will get a extended role in this team if they were to get rid of Ronaldo. And I think he does either way because he's had a great preseason. Um, But like a a player like Cavani, where you can bring him in for a year to really get him to just talk to the younger guys, get him to press that style, that philosophy onto them, have him rotate out. Those younger guys step up kind of doing the same thing there. I don't think Ronaldo is that type of guy though. He wants to be that guy um do the biggest name on the team sheet you need to find someone a little bit smaller to get that role in i'll make this very quick and simple i think ronaldo stays i disagree i just don't see where he's going to go the only place and i'm going to say this is so far away but i don't think this is going to happen i mean could he return to madrid 
I've even heard reports that not Real Madrid. I'm talking about Atletico Madrid, who are looking for a striker. They don't have Luis Suarez anymore. They're looking for something different. I don't think that's going to happen, but there's no other option for Cristiano Ronaldo. He doesn't have options, and this is the problem when you're 37 and you have to score goals. As we see, like kind of in, I look, I kind of compare this to Kevin Durant. Right now, there's no suitors. No one wants to give up or wants to give so much assets for Kevin Durant. And the same thing for Ronaldo. They understand that he's 37 years old and he's not getting younger and you got to pay him the wage bills that obviously he deserves because he's Cristiano Ronaldo. And so for me, Ben, I just don't think he will leave. He will. I think he will stay. He'll be forced to say, I, I think he's never come out and said, you know, I want to leave, but he's also never come out and said, I want to stay. And so the speculation is still there. He hasn't traveled to the U.S. store with Manchester United, or excuse me, not the U.S. store, the, excuse me, their preseason tour with yeah. Manchester United. And so we're right now in speculation to see what happens. And so George Mendes, his, his agent, is trying, you know, offering himself to other clubs. And Ronaldo right now has just hasn't found the, the, the interest that he thought he would. And I think in the end, he will stay Manchester United. And I think Tin Hall has said he wants him to stay. And so I think if a manager is convinced of you, I think the best option when you don't have options is to stay, even though despite all that, the problem, and it's, this is probably why Ronaldo wants to play for champions league football. He's the greatest all-time lean scorer in the champions league football, and he's not going to play in champions league football. And so that's, where I think Chelsea, if they want to, they can come back and see what happens. Obviously, they lost Lukaku, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Maybe they make some interest. Todd Bowley has clearly have put a lot of input <laughs> into this transfer window, which I've never seen any other owner of a club put themselves out there, but he has. And so maybe he wants to make a splash move for Ronaldo, which, mind you, if I'm United fan, I would be really angry. But mind you, I think that's the only option. And so, but... In the end, I think he stays. Ten Hall keeps him, and I think Manchester United move on. I don't think there's there's a market there for him, and so I think there's nothing there for Ronaldo to really do but to stay. I think the one thing you do have to know is that he turned down over two hundred million um, to go play in Saudi Arabia. That's a very uh, so good there, point, Ben. There very was good an option point. there. Great observation. No. <laughs> Great observation. Just, yeah. <laughs> He said no. Yes, he did have an offer. Yes, I did. Yes, very good point of view. <laughs> very good point out, Ben. Uh, but we'll. But uh, when we come back, we'll continue to have more transfer talks as we continue to talk about some of the biggest names making some big moves to their new clubs. When we come back, Ben, I want to focus now on the city ah because this move had me kind of looking at some of my research and thinking, did he really make this moves? And so I got to go into the city ah. And talk about a player that very much is well known, Argentinian forward Paulo Dybala, joining Roma. I mean, a Paulo Dybala who turned down a contract extension. Also, as I mentioned, we talk about the market. Didn't realize that he was going to have a market very low and with not a lot of options, and so he decided to join. Jose Mourinho squad for three-year deal as a free agent. Ben, my question for you is, is this the right move from Paulo Dybala to join Roma, a team that's not in Champions League football? What's your reaction? 
he is not a Jose Mourinho player. I'm just going to be plain and simple here. So what is he doing? Um, I was actually talking about this with someone today, uh, and we were talking about where we, he kind of fits in. Yeah. He's going to have to play probably in behind Tommy Abraham. When I think of Mourinho, though, I think of the cam especially. Yes, it's a more of a creative role, and Jose really likes – I mean, I think Oscar, he was there for Oscar – um, you're looking at United, uh, yep. Mata, a Mata type player, someone he yeah. really likes. Um, but I think Mata puts in a little bit more work in terms of defensively, in terms of when Mata was in his prime at uh, Chelsea right. back. Dybala is not really that type of player. Um, Dybala is going to sit high, I feel like. So I don't think it's the right move. I would love to see what the other offers on the table were um, because if he's accepting this – there must not have been out so much out there for him. I think that's a very accurate observation. If yeah. I had to give, I don't think there were many options. I think that's why he did this. Um, right. A three-year deal is weird because it it implies that someone really want like they really wanted him. Um, I don't know. Or he re- uh, sorry, he must have really wanted to go there if it's a three-year deal because I don't think he had many offers. But the fact that it's not a one or two year deal and it's three right. is very interesting to me. It's weird. Here's here's what I'm going to say. I was an admirer of Paulo Dybala when he came out of uh, Palermo and then making his move to Juventus. I thought he was going to be a star. I mean, he had some moments, you know, in the Champions League against Barcelona. I think that's where his highest moment was when he held those two goals and eliminated Barcelona, that team that came back uh, against PSG. Um, here's Here's my thing. With this move, he's going to make about six million per year, approximately, uh, with clue with add ons. I believe, according to reports, he's going to have a release clause of 20 million. So let's see what happens there. He's 28 years old, Ben. I don't understand this move, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Paulo Dybala had Inter Milan as an option as well, but guess what happened? Inter Milan decided to go with Lukaku and then the Dybala negotiations got stalled and, and never advanced. And so that was, you know, those talks just stopped. Napoli was interested. Other teams were interested, but clearly he just didn't get the market that he, he, he clearly just didn't decide to stay in, in, in a Juventus team that looks like it's going to be a very good team. And I don't understand this move for Dybala. 28 years old, you're going to Roma. It's not Champions League football. Yes, Mourinho has had players that I think, well, you well put some of these profile players that have played under Mourinho. I just don't understand this move for Dybala. This is a World Cup. Let's mind you, this is a World Cup year. He has to be playing football. I understand why he wants Roma. But Roma is such a downgrade to Juventus. It doesn't make sense. I think he, his, him and his agent didn't read the market well. He could have re-signed with Juventus. They offered him the amount that he was looking for. It wasn't what he wanted, and it didn't work. I mean, he was rumored to go to Tottenham. It didn't work out there. There wasn't really a market for him. Barcelona, him offering himself to Barcelona, I don't think they wanted something there. And so Dybala, I just look at him as a player that he's had so much injuries those last couple of years. I don't see him as a player that's going to fend as often as you said on your Mourinho team, but maybe he can, but this is such a downward from a player that really once upon a time was 
supposedly going to be one of a, a great players in, in the world. And he just never reached that potential. And so I'm a, I'm really just shocked by this move for a player to Dybala's quality when he's right, Ben, he's a very, very good player, but don't understand move. I can't defend it. It's a weird move. I, I think this is probably the biggest move that I, I'm shocked about. Cause I did not think Dybala was, was going to really have no market and, and really join a team in Mourinho. I don't know. The twenty million release clause that you brought up is is mind boggling. Because if I'm a team looking at that, I just buy it now. <laughs> but but they, clearly, there's a reason why teams are just not. Maybe they're 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 thinking themselves. They don't want to deal with the injury prone. He's been injuring for the last couple of years, or he's a player yeah. that just, just hasn't showed up in the big games. Or also, just let's also put this out, Ben, that his position, the way he plays is very different in the modern game. I mean, he's oh, yeah. said, a 10, you know, sometimes he plays in the wing, but he, again, he doesn't defend that well. And so to have a player that just is not like the way he once was, I think it's a, it's a downgrade. Maybe teams are just saying to themselves that we want to get actual wingers or actual players that can defend and help our teams instead of a player that is just, again, like Ronaldo, similar, not, not similar profile, but kind of the similar, um, out, oh, excuse me. I was going to say just skills of not defending. I think that's kind of where I'm looking at Dybala, but I, I don't understand this move. It's, it's, it's one that you're scratching your head and saying, what happened? I mean, even if he made it to Napoli, I think that would have been much more of a better because this team's in oh, Champions yeah. League football. I think Mourinho had a, had a one heck of, of convincing to do for Dybala, but wow. This is very quickly. This is very yeah. similar to me to the Jack Wilshire saga when he left arsenal um and you're looking at a guy injury prone like you said i think the two of them play very similar um but there's no market for them and when he went to west ham for i think it was again three years it was the same kind of deal where you're kind of scratching your head like could a bigger team really have taken a chance probably um there's a lot of similarities to be drawn between the two of these um i hope for Dybala's sake, it works out a little bit better than Jack Wilshire because obviously Jack just retired. Um, but yeah. It's crazy, Ben, because now I want to switch gears to, to the other player we talked about a little bit. Roman Lukaku <laughs> makes his move back to Inter wearing the number 90. An insane shock to so many people, but mostly for, for I guess, Chelsea fans, for anger frustration to see what happened to his transfer. He was the most expensive player over a hundred million and returns back to his team for about 10 million (laughs) euros for a loan fee. I mean, please, I want to hear before I go of what happened between Chelsea and Lukaku and why did he end up returning back to Inter? He, he just doesn't, fit the system and i think we've talked about it time and time again um he, he played well at the beginning of the season yeah and the goal is dried up he did um and when you, you that happens you get frustrated um and then that's when he took it out on the media when he's talking about how he just wants to go back and then things kind yeah. of snowballed there but i think i think why it didn't work out is he just doesn't well, i'll be the first one to say i don't know what tradition what a chelsea forward looks like um, and we'll talk about it and they've just signed who might play that role. I have no clue what a, a Chelsea forward looks like. And I think that's yeah 
a position that's so not right for them. Yeah. They could just can't figure it out. Um, so when you bring in this big player who's supposed to solve all the problems, like a Timo Werner, same type of thing. Timo's still trying there. Uh, he'll break through the season, but <laughs> Gawker didn't work out. So he wanted to go back. He saw the opportunity. He took it. He he showed off that they uh, Inter made ninety million off him by wearing the number ninety. So, <laughs> guys, yeah, it just didn't work out. I just don't think he fit what Tuchel wanted from him. Um, maybe they need someone who can kind of get in more behind, not hold the ball up too much, kind of run the channels a little bit better. I don't know, but that's not what he does. It's a horrible, horrible investment from Chelsea. Whoever decided to recruit Lukaku, they have to pay the consequence, consequences because just because, I mean, if you didn't know Tuchel was going to fit with Lukaku, why would you sign him for over $100 million? You yeah. could have used that money, maybe go after Holland or you could have gone after someone else. It doesn't make sense for me, Ben. This was... Arguably, I don't think it's the biggest flop because I think it's not Lukaku's fault. I think this is more on Chelsea. You understood why you got him. I mean, he was so good at Inter Milan, helped him win the Serie A title. Oh, yeah. He had such a great partnership. But you just never – I think Lukaku's a really good player. I do. I think he's one of the, the premier strikers in, in world football. I do. I think he's still up there in that in the conversation. But the problem with Chelsea did is to play a certain way in which you talk about Tupacol cool wanting to play – that clearly didn't work out to Lukaku. And so the question is, why did you sign him? And so that's where I'm, I'm just kind of asking myself, if I'm Chelsea, why did we sign this player if he never fit the coach's system? And so that's why this move was horrible. He returns back to Inter Milan. I think this is a great move for him. Hopefully he can get his, his, his career back on track with a good loan move and potentially we'll see what happens. But I, I think this is just one of those moves where I think Everybody surrounding from Lukaku, from from Chelsea, did just a horrible job in making sure that this was the correct transfer. Because clearly, both parties just didn't like the move, and so we're in a position where he goes back to Inter Milan, and we'll see what happens. But what a move! I didn't think this would happen. I really thought he would fit. I think we talked about this last time. I don't remember, but yeah, we did. Lukaku making his move was just, I thought, a home run. I thought he was really going to fit this team and help their scoring um, team and, and improve their squad. But clearly, Tuchel said, I don't need him. So this is something that Chelsea needs to do. But great move for Inter Milan. I think they're right there now with Milan to see what happens in the Skeleto next year. Um, they added a couple players as well. And so I think this is going to be a, a good move for Lukaku and see what he can do headed to the World Cup in, in Qatar. So. This is the one that, like Dybala, just you scratch your head and you're just asking yourself, like, what happened here? So, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I got, I got one question because I think yeah. you brought up something really interesting. You said he wasn't the biggest flop of all time. Who yeah. do you think is the biggest transfer flop? Of all all time? time? He's up there. He's up there. All right, I got, I got one. The biggest? I got one. Go ahead. Okay. Go. I'm going to go Andy Carroll. All time? To Liverpool. All time, I couldn't tell you a single goal he scored, <laughs> and he, they paid what fifth? They paid a, a hefty at the time. It was one of the hefty, world transfer yeah. fees. 
Um, and they get a guy who they let walk for free to West Ham was crazy. I think obviously I, I have my team, it's, you know, Coutinho, Dembele, Griezmann. Yeah. Uh, those names obviously come to mind right away. All time. Hmm. I actually was looking at the list because I think this is going to be one of my questions for football who um, about some of these record fees that we're going to have, but the top of my head, I mean, there's so many, but can I go with this name? And I think people will probably go, I, I don't want to say a flop, but I think I have to, because this was the one where I really thought it was going to work. And I guess who I'm going to go with. Kaka. AC Milan. Yeah. To Real Madrid. Injuries obviously go back. And Mourinho, that's a story for another day of what he did to Kaka. I think he, he still hasn't forgiven Mourinho what he did. But Kaka was the Ballon d'Or winner in 2008. He was the top player in Serie A. He goes to Real Madrid. He joins Ronaldo, the same transfer window. And just we thought Kaká was going to be this humongous superstar to be there for Ronaldo, kind of be that playmaker. In his like second season, they get Mezu Ozil, and it just never worked. And I thought Kaká, you know, we saw him in games here and there, but he was never that player that he was at AC Milan, you know. And so I put him up there. I mean, he was up there as one of those transfers where I think – we expected a lot more from Kaká at, at Real Madrid. He just never had that breakout season that, other than his probably first season, that could really, you know, you know, I would say kind of made up for his transfer record signing fee with Real Madrid. And so I, I guess this, I have to go with Kaká. Honorable mention, uh, Radamel Falcao to Manchester United and then to uh, Chelsea. Uh, a, people don't nice know that that happens, but it, but it, and, it, and, and it should yeah, be known that you went happen. to, you went to United and in Chelsea back to back. Wow. It's a, it's a real funny yep. move. Uh, so we'll leave it there. I mean, wait, hold up before we actually go, we have one more. I forgot. Yeah. Chelsea. Here we go. Now Chelsea, <laughs> we, I, I forgot to mention Chelsea. I mean, there was so much we, we talked about Lukaku, but Chelsea, they sign Koulibaly from Napoli. They'd get Raheem Sterling from City. They uh, lose Lukaku. I mean, Ben, talk to me. How much did Chelsea improve by making these two signings that I think a lot of people scratching their head and kind of asking themselves, why did they make these moves? So why, in your opinion, or excuse me, how much do you think Chelsea really improved in making these two signings? Defensively, fantastic. Um, they've wanted Koulibaly for years, it seems like. And I think now that they've seen just how good Thiago Silva has been, because you have to remember, Koulibaly is probably one of the, has been one of the best yeah. uh, center backs in Serie A for a very long time. And yeah. They've seen just how well he, Thiago Silva worked out at Chelsea, and they've said, well, we can replicate this if we bring in Koulibaly in terms of a very well-established center back. Yeah who can lead young players. And you're looking at right. Malang Sar to really step up, Trevor Child, but to really step up. So if you can put, make a sandwich of Koulibaly and Thiago Silva and then slot one of the two in the middle, it's great yeah. for their development. So that's fantastic. The Sterling one's weird to me. Um, I think he's more of a Tuchel striker, but I don't want to see him play striker because I don't think he'll right. succeed there. 
Um, I think his best position over these years has been left wing where he just cuts in on his right foot and he can, he can hit them from distance. Yeah. Um, yes, they got better offensively. They didn't really lose any pieces offensively that I can even think about. They still um, have Christian Pulisic, uh, yeah. Ziriak. They still have uh, Hudson Adoy. I mean, they have pretty much a lot of options, Ben. They added yeah. to Raheem Sterling. So, I mean, we'll see if that, that stays yeah. the same, but yeah. They have lots of depth. Um, so, I, I think depth-wise, they'll get better. Um, and Raheem, I mean, Raheem's done it in the Premier League. I don't know how he'll do under Tuchel. Yeah. That raises a lot of questions. But then again, you didn't think he'd be able to perform under Pep Guardiola and look how good he's done. So um, I have high expectations for Raheem Sterling to really help them improve. And I think he'll be the one to get Timo Werner going. And then that's the key. All right. I think these are great times. I think Koulibaly is one of the best defenders. I think 28 years old. I think this is great. 50 million, nothing crazy. I think he's a rock solid defender. I think he's still up there. Um, he joins a couple of his teammates, uh, Mendy from Senegal. That's going to be rock solid for them. I think this is a great signing. Raheem Sterling, I think a really solid player. You know him as well as City, really good player. Um, I think this really helps them. You know, does it improve Chelsea? I think they're still kind of where they are. I think they still need a couple moves. And then the question I saw, I was watching Kai Harvard preseason miss and i'm just asking myself i mean they just need to make a signing they need a striker that fits Tugel's system and here's a name that i think i'll throw out there that i think could be a player that maybe Tuchel would interested in, and i think may want is lotaro martinez from inter milan i think he's a player that mm. can fit Tuchel's system he's a player that can play behind the back he can play in possession he's a player that works hard a lot i mean he's a work player and so i think He's a player that I think could be interesting if they don't go after Ronaldo or something like that. But the striker position seems like a position that they're missing. I know Lukaku didn't work out, but still something's missing. Raheem Sterling certainly improves this Chelsea team. Is it enough to win the title? I'm not sure. But Ben, do you think this is enough for this Chelsea team to compete for the Premier League title? Yes. And I don't think they have, I think the biggest thing is they haven't really lost enough pieces for them to fall off from last year i think their fall off came from the whole financial situation which is very understandable um i think they get better i think although let me just i'm gonna rattle this off really quickly i'm gonna get this is completely unrelated top four next year i think they still make it in but i think it's i think it's city first obviously i'd go chelsea tottenham Wow. Arsenal. I think they get out there. Liverpool now in your top four? They lost Mane. And he's going to overplay Darwin Nunez, who's not going to do good. <laughs> I am telling you, people, relax <laughs> with the preseason. We've seen it all the time. I'm just saying, for anybody that's watching preseason football, watching preseason basketball, baseball, football, you know, any sport that you want to say, including football or soccer, whatever you want to call it, you got to relax. It's okay. Asufati missed an open goal in his preseason <laughs> practice. Like, we got to relax, okay? Um, 
I will leave it there. I'll save my answers for another day, but I still have Liverpool as top contenders. I know they lost Mane, but calm team, calm down, people, because it's okay. Barcelona play tomorrow. If look, Asufati has a bad game, people go over this, you know. Relax. It's okay. But I will say this. I think Chelsea do have enough. Again, as I mentioned before, don't have enough. We'll see what other moves they – I think there's still a couple moves they need to make in order to compete for the title. I think there's still yeah. a couple moves that they still need to make. But they're getting close. They're getting close to Chelsea – excuse me, to Liverpool and, and City um, and see what they do. But I think it's good quality signings. But is it enough? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. So we'll leave it there, Ben. When we come back, let's uh, let's move to football who and uh, get to our final segment to talk about kind of what's been going on lately with some of our questions. Let's see if it has improved in this time that we have been out. Much more when we come back. Ben came, Marvin Guetta. We're now to football who. Uh, ben, you're going to give me your starting 11. I'm going to give you three questions that I have come up with. Let's hear what you got. What do you got for me? I'm going to let you go first because Ooh. I currently – I did my football who and I said, no, I think this is a way better one. And I am I have the game, and I'm, I'm struggling to find the lineup for it. So I'll let you go first this time. All right. All right. I'll go first. I have my question. So, by the way, this is all – all of these are the theme of the show, all the theme of our pod, transfer fees, transfer fees, transfer moves, <laughs> all of that. So this is throughout. So – Ben. Cristiano Ronaldo made his record signing in 2009 from Manchester United to Real Madrid. It was about 94 million euros. It was a record signing fee from United to Madrid. But the question is, Ben, before that, who was the most expensive transfer ever? 2009. So prior to Ronaldo signing with Madrid. So I'll give you some options if you need help, but I'll, you, I'll take the I'll take the options. Alright. I got three. Okay. Zedanin Zidane in 2001, 77 million euros from Juventus to Real Madrid. Kaka. He made his move from Real Madrid, excuse me, from AC Milan to Real Madrid that I mentioned before. Maybe it's an option. I don't know. Or, or Ronaldo, El Fenomeno, the Brazilian Ronaldo, making his move from Inter to Real Madrid. I think... I don't think it's cut i think it's ronaldo because i remember it being like 30 million for him and that was like a big deal at the time and no one ever topped it so i'm gonna go ronaldo uh you're gonna go with uh brazilian ronaldo yeah the answer is incorrect <sighs> it is zedine zidane i actually i actually gave you a hint and you heard me closely. I said it by accident. I said 77 million from Juventus to Real Madrid in 2001. That was the most expensive transfer in the history of football prior for Cristiano Ronaldo signing in 2009. Since then, now Zidane is now 28 all time. That's crazy. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. 
Okay. Kaka okay. actually was next in that list, by the way, in 2009. He was about 65 million. So it was, I mean, it's pretty insane. It's the markets on Sony. I mean, 28 now Zidane, and look at that. It's crazy. But yeah, it is. The market is pretty crazy right now. Okay. Well, I didn't get that, but that's okay. Because what I've done here is in the news, we didn't get to MLS uh, little topics. I'll throw mine out there. It was going to be Gareth Bale's first game for LAFC. So I'm thinking Gareth Bale first game. What about last game? Last game for who? Tottenham. In 2013, on the final day of the Premier League Series, May 19th, Tottenham faced off against Sunderland. Uh, Gareth Bale scores the game winner in his final game. One, nothing. Mm -hmm. They're playing a 4-2-3-1. Okay. Tottenham. This is it, it, it's a somewhat hard one um, because the table is pretty much wrapped up at this point. But So I'll, okay. we'll do goalkeeper and uh, defenders. Okay. I'm, I think I have... I think I'm confident in this. Lloris. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with Vertonghen. Yeah, Vertonghen. Right? Yes, Vertonghen. Yes, we're gonna go over Tonglin. Ooh, I have an idea. Ooh, I don't think he's running towards tough. the end. Um, for really Tonglin, Kyle Walker. No, should I go Rose? Ooh, was Rose on that team? Two thousand. What year was that? Two thousand thirteen. Two thousand thirteen. Hmm. Probably have to go Walker. Walker was part of that squad, so I'm gonna go Walker for Tonglin. Uh, damn. Danny Rose. I'm gonna go with him. And let's see. Michael Dawson. How have you pulled out Dawson? All right, you got four out of five. Let's go. What did I miss? Danny Rose. But wow. Oh, he here yet? I don't know where he was. He wasn't at Sunderland. So, at that point. so who was uh, who, who was the starting left back? Benoit Asu Akato. Wow. All right. I the, the he was. I think he was. He wore a thirty-two. The big afro. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. He went to like Schalke after. Yeah, yeah, um, I do remember. Oh, wow, so yeah, funny. Benoit. Okay, well, go. yeah, Darson, I remember pretty well. I do, I do remember him very well. It's weird, but I do. I don't know. Uh, all right, next question. All right, I have a couple, but I switched them up because I'm gonna make this one. I hope you get the last one right because this one, this one, uh, this one should be, this should be a layup maybe if you get this right. How much did Bayern Munich pay Borussia Dortmund to sign Robert Lewandowski in 2014? Here's your option. 20, 0, okay. 25, or 50 million. Oh, in my head it was 50. Did he go on a free, though? Did he go on a free? He would have gone on a free. It was a, he went on a free. He went on a free. Final answer. He went on a free. He was a free agent. That is correct. Yes, because he's correct. There's no way 
there's no way he would have gone for under 80 million at that point. And so he I, was 20, he was 25 years old. I actually looked this up because I'm like, there's no way he went on free. I had to research this really hard. And yeah, it was a crazy feat, but he got it. And I thought it was a good move and he was just fantastic. I mean, crazy. Remember Lewandowski leaving on a free in this, in this time and age, I think that would never happen. I mean, we saw what happened with Holland, but that's crazy. Go to a rival as well. And right after they lost to them in the Champions League final, literally the game after he went on yeah. free. Yeah, crazy, crazy, unbelievable. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, all right, we'll do this. We'll do the two CDMs. So I think it would be these two guys right here. Yeah, two CDMs. Ooh, I have a couple of mine, but let's see if, it, if I'm correct. Okay. CDMs. There's two. Ah. Uh. So I'm going to go, ooh, 2013. I have a couple of, actually, I'm actually, I know a couple of options. All right, hold up. Can I ask for one hint? Can I ask what nationality they play for? England. Both of them? I don't know, one, or just say one of them. Just say one of them. One of them plays for England. Yeah, one of them plays for England. All right, here we go. Okay. Scott Parker, Dembele. Scott Parker is correct. Dembele <laughs> came on. Tim Dembele oh. came on for Scott Parker during that. Game. Wait, wait, can no. I guess? Can I get? Can I guess? I, I'm not. I don't want the points, but can I guess who it is? Yeah. Sandro. No. Ooh. This guy okay, played. Okay. I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint. It won't count. But he played for okay, okay. Hull. He played for Hull after this, and it's not Ryan Mason. Oh, 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 oh I'm blanking. Uh, uh, Hull City, Hull City. Uh, okay. I, I, I give up. No way. Tom Huddleston. That's what I had in mind. Damn. All right. Okay. Okay. Scott Parker. I. That's why I back to English. I'm like. Part, but you didn't. I, you're good because you didn't say he did. You said he, he is. So if you said he did, yeah. I probably would have said right away. Scott Parker. Okay. All right. That's uh. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, <laughs> I was so excited. I really, was really excited about this. Um. All right. Final question. This one. I hope you get right. I hope you get this right. How much? Did Manchester City pay Barcelona to sign Yaya Torre? Here's your options: 45 million, 35 million, or 28 million. This one is your test to see if you are that Manchester City fan here as well, Ben. I mean, I, this is two for one for me, so I, I love this. I love this for me, but I don't know about you. Let's see if you know your transfer fees pretty well. This was, by the way, in 2012. Excuse me, 2011. The one in the 40s is out. Okay. Unquestionably. In my head, I'm thinking 28 because he was a center back at the time. And I think that would have dropped the price a little bit. But my guts is 35. This is a tough one because 
Yeah, because I, I feel like center backs during that time were. He just, actually wasn't. He wasn't. He was actually, he at wasn't. the time, he was the most expensive defensive midfielder in the English Premier League when he signed. Crazy now. 20. Oh. 28. Oh my God. I literally. <laughs> All right. You get the point there. I, that's on me. I should lose a point for that. I, All right. I, I literally was, just said. I was going to say, I think. I think it was going to be 28 because I couldn't Jeez. imagine them paying over 30 for him. Well, Because he wasn't it. that good. And they, well, they didn't rate him that highly, I think. I think that was the big thing was they thought he was good, but he was such a weird player for them that he wasn't top, top. Um, that's why I went to City. All right. All right, Ben. We're down to, right, four players? Yep. So the three... Like the left mid cam, right mid striker. Well, we know Bale, right? So Bale's out, right? So then it's three. Yeah. All right, so it's three. All right, Chamak. Chamak. 2013, right? So Luka Modric was out. Okay, Chamak. No, Chaddy. Chaddy. Chadley. Chadley. Okay, I said Chamak. No, Chadley. Yeah, I was going to say Chadley Chad, for uh, Arsenal and Crystal Palace. Okay, okay, yeah. Chadley. I said, yeah, Chamak. All right, got myself there. Chadley. Who is their striker? Oh, man. Um, all right, so then Chamak was on the left. I mean, I said Chamak. He said Chadley. Chadley. And who played it? I mean, damn, 2013. Um, is he an English player? C- uh, CDM. I mean, CDM. No, 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 CAM. Try to see who potentially would have been. Trying no, to think. The, so the, so the, the, I'm looking at ESPN and it doesn't have the positions. Okay, okay. Um, so one of the remaining. So uh, Chadley, I didn't say the striker. I have actually a couple names, but I'm not sure. Damn, this is such a they long rotated, time ago. They rotated through strikers heavily between two yeah, and that, three during this time period, I, which is why I it's do, tough. That's why I have my, I have one in mind, but it, it, I'm not, am I sure? I think I get a hint. Um, is he, okay, so, is he an English player? That's all I need to know. I don't have to say that. All right. All right. Um, one of them, one of the okay. players you haven't said, because a lot of these players are a little bit older than they were. One of them is still playing um, and recently finished a Premier League season that was noted. It was highlighted with a, a really cool clip of him playing against someone um, now versus like 10, 15 years ago. I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna switch. Sadly, Aaron Lennon, Garrett Bale. Albayord. No, no, no. I shouldn't. I don't think it's Albayord. I really don't think it's him. I think him or Peter Crouch. It's not oh, Crouch. Man. I'll give you that. Crouch. Okay, okay. It's not for, Crouch. Uh, Crouch played for Liverpool back in the day. 
Jeez. 2013, was he? Okay. Al Bayord, Bale, Lennon, and then this, and the other midfielder. Damn, this is so tough. Uh, let's go with, man, I'm trying to think of their midfielders at the time. I remember watching this team. I just don't remember midfielders. Uh, damn it. I was going to say Giovanni Los Santos, but he doesn't, wasn't on the team. Um, I know he, he's an old one. I remember, I know he doesn't play there anymore and doesn't play right now. So that's good to mention. Um, <laughs> let's, um, damn. Wow. I'm going to go. Wow. I don't have, I don't have a player. Don't have all right. You know what? F it. Let's go with Chadley, Lennon, Bale, Albayor. One off. Okay. Who was it? Clint Dempsey was up top. Most wow. Wow. That so is crazy. That is crazy. The hint, the hint for Lennon, I think, was very obvious. Um, Still playing. There's a really cool clip of there was a really cool clip of him and Ronaldo playing against each other. Um, Chadley was a part of the bail money. Chadley was one of those guys that came in as a result of bail heading out. Um, so yeah, I you I think you've you've easily won because you got most of the team. So congratulations. Yeah, I remember. No, I remember that. I sort of remember that because that Garrett Bell at that time. I mean, it's incredible. He was so. I mean, people want to go back, especially if you're young and listening to his pod. I mean, he was incredible. I mean, he was incredible. I know now in, in LA, people will like him and love him and appreciate what he does. He'll, we'll see much more from him. But man, and in the peak of his powers, I mean, he was so good. I mean, you, even, you can even talk about Jan Vertonghen contributing with like seven or eight goals that season from center back too, with the Insane. Superman celebration like that. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Long time long, ago, but it's crazy. Um, unbelievable. But uh, we'll leave it there. Obviously, it's a crazy transfer window throughout this whole pod. We're kind of focusing on that. But when we kind of have more time and kind of more towards the season, we'll kind of kind of more focus on kind of more consistent pods uh, for everybody that's listening. But we appreciate everybody that's listening. We have more coming up. Hopefully, I mean, if Ronaldo makes a breaking you know, news or something. I mean, I know we'll definitely do something around that, but oh yeah, let's pray not. Or Leo Messi going to enter Miami, which is something maybe could happen, maybe not. But um, we'll leave it there, Ben. I mean, I appreciate it, man. I mean, uh, I mean, it's so well to to hear you again. I really do, and hopefully, we continue to to come back stronger and better than ever. Oh yeah, well, it's gonna be a great fall. I hope you can have your voice back. Stuff left land. Your voice. I know you've been. Your voice has slowly gained its power back. I just want to mention. I know people are kind of like, "What's going on?" But he's getting his voice back, ladies and gentlemen. He he he's there. He's coming back. He's coming home. For for those really quickly who didn't know, um, over the past 24 hours, I've played 38 holes of golf. And he's, so I'm a, li- <laughs> I'm a little tired. <laughs> that hey, listen, that's why my is, voice is a little tired. But this is this is this is part of the job sometimes that Ben again, we, we this is what he does. I mean, this is what I mean, he could do this and then do the pod. I mean, I don't know, anything he could do is possible. Who knows? Maybe go to the moon. It's possible. I don't know. One day, one day, I'll bring a, <laughs> I'll bring an Erling Holland jersey with me. Oh my God, um, definitely. So we'll leave it there, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you guys. Next-
I don't know about next week, but we'll see if we can get this pod back continuation as soon as we can. So thank you, everybody.